So this is Isaiah 6, verse 1. It was the year of King Isaiah died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. They were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Their voices shook the temple to its foundation, and the entire building was filled with smoke. Then I said, It's all over. I am doomed, for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips, and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the King, the Lord of heaven's armies. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with the burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. He then, and then one of the seraphim flew to me, oh, back up, reverse. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with the burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. He touched my lips with it and said, see, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. Then I heard the Lord asking, whom shall I send as a messenger to his people? Who will go for us? I said, here I am, send me. And he said, Yes, go and say to this people, listen carefully, but do not understand. Watch closely, but learn nothing. Harden the hearts of these people, plug their ears and shut their eyes. That way they will not see with their eyes, nor hear with their ears, nor understand with their hearts, and turn to me for healing. Then I said, Lord, how long will this go on? And he replied, until the towns are empty, their houses are deserted, and the whole country is a wasteland. Until the Lord has sent everyone away, and the entire land of Israel lies deserted. If even a tenth a rem a remnant survive, it will be invaded against, again and burned. But as a terebinth or oak tree leaves a stump when it's cut down, so Israel's stump will be a holy seed. All right, that's a lot to process. And today's sermon is called Send Me or Send Us. So that's the lens we are looking through uh, we have some questions, and the verse we're really hanging out at is Isaiah 6, 8. It's a very, very famous verse. I said, here I am, send me. That's the end of that verse. So here are the questions I'd like you to talk about in your groups. If you would like to move around and break yourselves up, groups of three or four, maybe five. Why is this a dangerous prayer? That's the name of our series. What are some of the ways being sent can be difficult, and do we, need be, do we need to be made whole before we are sent? And have you been sent anywhere, or are you currently being sent? All right. Any questions for me? All right, we'll come back together in about 10 minutes and discuss what you have come up with. All right. This encounter with Isaiah, you can go to uh, get off this slide if you don't mind. This whole encounter with Isaiah is... Uh, an example of God's saving grace. It's an example of the gospel of redemption all the way back hundreds of years before Jesus has ever entered into the scene. So Isaiah is one of the major prophets in the Bible. He comes to speak truth and uh, some would say condemnation upon the Israelites, God's chosen people. And we see some of that kind of in this passage that we read today about what should I do but looking at this, there's a formula that you have to follow, or you should follow, I guess, to be, to be saved in. You know, it's reducing something as significant as the gospel down to a formula seems kind of uh, simple, but it's really not that difficult when you look at it. It's, you recognize that you're a sinner, you confess that you're a sinner, you're atoned, and then you're sent out by God. Those are the steps. 
recognize you're a sinner, confess you're a sinner, be redeemed for your sins, and then be sent out to do God's work. I thought about a cool little acronym for that, but RCABS, which doesn't have a very good ring to it. RCABS. I need a new R, but recognize, confess, atone, and be sent. And we see that in this passage, and let's break it down. I wouldn't just leave you hanging, so let's go to verses 1 through 4. This is the recognizing part of Isaiah. This is, it was the... It was in the year King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. They were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Their voices, or their voices shook the temple to its foundations. The entire building was filled with smoke. So in recognizing... Sinner might be a bad word for this first one, but you're not as significant as God himself. This whole encounter right here Isaiah is having is recognizing that God is somebody pretty important in the world. That God is somebody very powerful in the world. That beings that aren't on this earth are flying around and worshiping God himself. This is a recognition that God is, God is the Lord of heaven and earth. Verses 5 through 6, this is recognizing the sin and confessing the sin. Then I said, it's all over. I am doomed, for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips, and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the King, the Lord of heaven's armies. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with the burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. And touched your lips, now your guilt is removed, and your sins are forgiven. This is the next chunk. This is the confessing of the sins. That goes right into verse 7, which is the atoning. The coal has touched your lips, now your guilt is removed, and your sins are forgiven. We're just walking right through this. So let's go to verses 8 through 9. Then I heard the Lord asking, whom shall I send as a messenger to his people? Who will go for us? I said, here I am, send me. And then he said, yes, go and say to these people, listen carefully, but do not understand. Watch closely, but learn nothing. Isaiah is sent. Recognizes God's majesty. Confesses he's a sinner. Sins are atoned for. And he is sent. The rest of this message we see, 10 through 13, are just the instructions to Isaiah specifically. We're all probably going to have our own instructions of where we are sent to and how we're supposed to interact with the people around us. But these were Isaiah's instructions, verses 10 through 13. Harden the hearts of these people, plug their ears and shut their eyes. That way they will not see with their eyes, nor hear with their ears, nor understand with their hearts, and turn to me for healing. Then I said, Lord, how long will this go on? And he replied, until their towns are empty, their houses are deserted. And the whole country is a wasteland until the Lord has sent everyone away and the entire land of Israel lies deserted. If even a tenth, a remnant survive, it will be invaded again and burned. But as a terebinth or oak tree leaves a stump when it's cut down, so Israel's stump will be a holy seed. That sounds pretty not fun to be sent and called by God to preach a word that's going to fall on hardened hearts and preach a word that will not be healing 
to the people of Israel. Being sent is difficult because it might not always fit the narrative or the idea that you think that God should interact with his people with. We have our own ideas as humans how God should interact with people and how we should bring people to Christ and and that's not always the plan that God has for us. A lot of people stop after verses 8 through 9, which is, or stop after verse 7, which is the atoning. How many people here have their sins forgiven and then never come to church again? How many people have we seen baptized that don't come back to church? There's more to following Jesus than just saying, my sins are forgiven There needs to be some work put in after that. I'm not saying our church, obviously, is the end-all, be-all church, but the church is something that you join. The church as a whole in the world is something that you join after you have your sins forgiven. So we cannot stop after verse 7, which is having your sins atoned for. We have to be sent. We have to be willing to say, here I am, send me. And I think this should be a no-brainer. I think that once you have your sins forgiven and your guilt removed like Isaiah did here, that you should be radically changed. If you come from a life of death and you move into a life of light and a life that has eternal rewards, shouldn't you be happy and ready to go and be willing to work for the Lord? And maybe that's partly our fault sometimes. I know. How many people have ever met a brand new Christian, right? And on Facebook, all they do is talk about Jesus, man. You're like, oh my gosh, okay, we get it. You're a Christian, right? But that's the time we have to capture the excitement. That's the time that Isaiah, somebody that we have a lot of information on or a lot of writings from, that's when he is captured. Some of us grew up in the church always knowing who Jesus was and knowing that Jesus was an amazing person who died for our sins and knowing that God wants his creation and his people to be reconciled back to him. If that's you, if you grew up like that in the church, have you ever stopped and been re-excited about what God has done for you? Because in those times that you get excited is the times that you can say, send me, here I am, where can I go? I am the type of person that at home, I clean in spurts. Like if I have a bedroom that needs to be cleaned, I'll put it off forever and ever until one day I get the cleaning bug and I'm ready to go and I will clean the room. And oftentimes, Carleen will have that same thing, but we'll be on different schedules. So when she gets the cleaning bug, I will not have the cleaning bug. So then she drags me begrudgingly through the process and vice versa. But those are the times to get work done, right? This whole thing is a journey that's not going to be over in an instant. It's going to take time and work. So we have to capitalize on the times that we are radically devoted to God. The instructions are often the hardest part because they are different for every other person. My path to following who Jesus is and the path that he has laid out for my life is probably totally different than a lot of people's in this room because I don't think a lot of people in here are becoming pastors right I mean that'd be cool if we had a room full of pastors and we could have some very interesting conversations I'm sure but 
that's just the fact of life that we are on different paths. You know, not everybody's going to be a worship leader, but then again, I'm not going to be, I don't know, I won't do something else with somebody else here. It's a journey that we have to listen for the instructions from God, even if it's not a great assignment, even if it's not something that you want to do. I ask this question, where have you been sent? And when you hear, when you ask this question to a lot of people, you say, where have you been sent in your life? Where has God sent you? And a lot of times people will say, well, I've been sent to this place. I look back on it. I've been sent here. I've been sent to this place. And it is great to be able to look back on your life and see where God has opened doors for you and to see that I've been placed in this job to reach these people or I've been placed in this community to coach these kids or whatever you've been placed to. But I think this is a different type of conversation that's happening here. Being sent, that's, that's easy to live your life and look back and say, this is where God has sent me. This is the good things that God has done for me. It's totally different to say, God, just send me wherever you want right now with having, without having a clue as to where he's going to send you. For some of you, that might mean that you're not going to end up here in Toledo on the most radical changes. Talk to a missionary, that's how they get sent. You talk to a missionary and they live in Sylvania, Ohio, and next thing you know, they're like in Kenya. They heard a very clear path that said, go there. It's not like they happened to move to Kenya and they just were like, oh, God did this for me. It's a different conversation. So I am challenging you. The past two weeks we talked about uh, breaking us. First we had God searching us, and then we had God breaking us. And now we're asking God to send us. Let's look to the future, because that's where we're going. I love to hear testimonies of what God has done in the past life that you've had. But what about the future? When's the last time you said, God, use me how you will. Send me where you want to send me. I had... I often talk about, uh, you know, my journey, but when I was in the Army, I was in Afghanistan, went to Afghanistan, my plan was to come back, go to school, finish up school, join the ROTC program, become an officer, do my 20 years in the military, get out when I was 44, retire, have a sweet pension, get a second career, make tons of money, see the world, uh, until, you know, until I said, God, you can use me. And then I came back. I finished school. I didn't join ROTC. I met my wife. I got married. I tried to go. We were just talking about this. I, tried, I interviewed in every single state except for Ohio, pretty much, for my first job. Traveled the country for a summer. Spent lots of money looking for a job that was not here. And I ended up moving an hour away from where I went to college. And then from there, I moved up to Michigan. And then I now live... I now live in a, a, a little more than a mile from where I grew up. I live in the same school district I went to high school in. I pastor a church that's less than a mile from a house I lived in when I was a kid. So my plans were not God's plans. And that was all because I just said, send me. And now I am, I'm a pastor. So it might get a little crazy in your life if you actually say this prayer. And that's okay. 
Because when you say this prayer too, you're promising or you're saying, I'm in it for the long haul. I am ready to go even when times get bad. Especially in a, a, a culture where quitting is easy. If we don't like something, we just go somewhere else. If we don't like somebody or some service we got, we tweet about it. Or if you go to a Bob Evans and they don't have mashed potatoes, you go to the next Bob Evans so you can get your mashed potatoes. Or if eggs that are served here aren't what you might like, you might stop somewhere to get another sandwich. These are just, that's just who we are. This is how we're ingrained into, into our being. But when you say, where are you going to send me, Lord? Send me there. You're in it for the long haul. You're in it through thick and through thin. It's kind of like a marriage, right? Through the good times and the bad times. In sickness and in health. Isaiah, we look at Isaiah as some, somebody great and this great prophet. And he is somebody to learn from. And he's this very wise. And we hear a lot of God's words through him. But he was a prophet during a very tumultuous time in the history of the Israelites. They were in exile. He was coming to preach a message of, if you don't turn back to God, you're going to not really like what's going to happen. I mean, even in his instructions, he's told to preach to a group that's going to get wiped out. He still stuck it out. I think about our church, our campus specifically, being sent back into a community that a lot of people have written off, a lot of even other Christians have written off, and question, why do you go here? Why are you hanging out with those people? Well, it's because Jesus came for everybody, right? And even though this might seem frustrating at times, interacting with the people that we didn't grow up with, it's still where we are called to be. It's where we were sent as a church, as a campus, as a group of people. This is our mission field. If you remember all the way back to James, we, we talked about trials and suffering and, well, it's a guaranteed thing. It's only a matter of when, not a matter of if you will suffer a bad time. But that's okay because God sent us here. God's with us. We turn to God. He loves us. We know through Jesus Christ that he wants the whole world to come back to him, not just a certain select few. And that's good news, church. If we are able, us in this room, if I am able to be accepted by God and loved by God and offered life eternal, then a lot of other people are as well. So I ask you this. Do you know your assignment? Do you know where you have been sent to or where you are being sent to? Or are you just happening to look back into your life and say, God has moved me here. Where are we sent to as a church? Because there's a lot of work to do. Church, we can't just be going out and doing stuff because it, it sounds good. We have to listen to the voice of God because Jesus says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So we can't be wasting time willy-nilly just doing whatever we want to do because you know who knows better than we do? God knows better than we do. Because have you ever even thought about this question? Have you even thought about where you've been sent? The answer to God's call.
call is empowering and it's the opposite of what Adam and Eve did when they were separated from themselves. They hid, they hid from God and tried not to listen to him. And I'm telling you and asking you that we need to turn into God and say, where can we go? Lead us in the way everlasting. If you think that you've been sent to your work or the community or the school or the park, that's true. But can we ask God to resend us there? Can you wake up tomorrow morning and just say, God, can you send me to work today and then see what happens? You might have a conversation you didn't think you were ever going to have. And it changes your mindset too. When you ask God to send you somewhere, you're doing the Lord's work then instead of waking up and just happening to say, well, it's a Monday, I got to go to work today. You know, we don't want to be Garfields. We want to be Isaiah's. How are we as a church, how are we as a campus being sent? We talked about this probably the past few weeks, but we've been sent back to East Toledo. We've been sent as a campus into the Oakdale community. We've been sent, I've been sent specifically into the Oakdale schools. So where are we going next? As a church, as a campus, as representatives of this organization of believers? Our mission at Hope is to be and bring hope to the community. God's mission is to bring the world back to him. So what's our part in all of this? So I'm going to ask you, I want you to think about this. We'll take a minute to pray if you want to pass out those, those papers. Now, I want you to think about where are you being sent? So I'm going to, I'm going to give us about two minutes just to, to be quiet and think about that and actually ask God, more than a conversation of where am I being sent and then writing the first thing that pops into your head. It might be the first thing that pops into your head, but I just want you to sit and listen and listen for God's voice. And if you don't hear anything, that doesn't mean you're a bad Christian, okay? just might mean you hear it in a different way. I want you to prayerfully consider and carefully ask, God, where are you sending me?